Welcome to the family with Tevin Pittman. Uh-oh. Co-host Catherine Brandt. And Andy Brandt Bernard. Can you hear us in here? I have a feeling uh, Tevin's Check headphones now just died. There. Okay, there we go. Oh, there we go. you got your headphones back, you're good to go. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean. Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. I went to gas up your car. Mm-hmm. Mm. And wash your car. Mm. It's always fun. So that's always nice. Thank you. Um, and there is a gas shortage in Southern Florida. A gas shortage. I went to six gas stations. Oh, <laughs> what happened? Jeez. Apparently, the flood in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, sure. Caused issues. Uh, with gas supply, and of course, down here where you have, you know, hurricanes and such, people panic. So I guess there is a lot of panic buying right now. Okay, so I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be able to get out of there driving your car and run into a town where they don't have any gas? Well, I did find a gas station finally, and the guy was very nice uh, next to me. I mean, he was like cleaning his wheels and all this stuff, and I'm like, okay. So I said, hey, do you know what's going on with the gas? And he told me that it's because of the flooding in Fort Lauderdale. And he said, once you get out of um, this area, Palm Beach County, basically, I'll be okay. Oh, so it's Palm Beach County there's a shortage. It's it's southern Florida. It's, it's, I guess, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Um, all the way out to Wellington, where Patty is. She said she couldn't get gas either. Oh, God. And I just happened to find gas, and, of course, they gouged me because um, your premium gas was four forty-five a gallon. <laughs> yep. Jeez. And, then have, and like, it wasn't even empty, and it cost 70 bucks to fill. Oh, God. I was just like, oh, my God. Then, have gas prices gone up then considerably now that there's a – shortage and everybody's panic buying or well i think that this gas station maybe just jacked up the prices just for fun because they and because i i washed your car i went to this new place called flamingo or something and it, right next to it is one of these wawa gas stations right. and they're mm-hmm. building like crazy down here and um the, the people were standing in line i mean they were sitting in line and i was like what's wrong with everybody there's a gas station right across the street I thought maybe Wawa's like Costco. It's got cheaper gas yeah, at Wawa's. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, I'm not sitting here in line. Um, so I went across the street, and that's when I noticed that all the pumps either said 
No premium, uh, only 87. What's 87? Is that regular gas or mid-range I think that's gas? middle, yeah. yeah. Okay, only 87, and a lot of them just had uh, bags around all of the pump handles. Oh, we're dry, yeah. we're dry, we're dry. So I went, I'm like, okay, I'll go way past the airport, over to military, something will be open over there. And I went, I just kept on going in, seeing the bags on the things, <laughs> going out. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I guess Tom's car is just going to have to have less than a half a tank sitting for a very long time, which I, I guess isn't good for a car. It's not, no. Yeah. So um, I, I didn't, I'm like, I don't know what else to do. I can't find gas. Well, what you should so, have done is gone to a uh, auto parts store and bought some seafoam. Seafoam. It stabilizes gas mm -hmm. for long-term uh, non-use. Oh, well, now you tell me. So Although I don't, I don't know if you're supposed to put seafoam in a car or not. I'm sure we have many listeners who are going to uh, tell you're just, us. You're just lucky you didn't run out of gas while looking for gas. Yes. Well, I had I, I, there was plenty of gas to not have to worry about it, but I just thought, you know, just to prevent further car issues, because this car that Tom has down here, every time something's broken, it costs a lot to fix. So I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, Prevention is a good thing. Well, and especially so, old gas getting in those lines. You have to mm -hmm. drain it all out. And yeah. It's a big deal. So anyway, so I'm just, uh, so I just, I, I find, I just found one. I was lucky. Did you ever know that you're my hero? <laughs> sing it louder. <laughs> louder. Sing it louder, Tommy. Everybody. <laughs> Start belting Yeah, so out. I was, uh, yeah, I was pretty mad. Yeah, I was like, what the heck? So, yeah. So four, there was that. Four and a half bucks for a gallon of gas. That's yeah. Incredible. Well, four it's up to bucks for three fifty nine for regular here. So yeah, it's been creeping up. Um, they they got them lowered by uh, tapping all of our reserves, and now they're creeping back up because obviously uh, we're going to have to get it from someplace else. And I'm and thinking of we can't that maybe they own. have to. F well, and maybe someday they'll have to refill our reserves. I don't know. It's much greener to have China drill it and then ship it across the ocean <laughs> and then bring it, yeah, exactly. than to just drill it here and not have to ship it across the ocean. It well, is so insane, Andy. Yeah, well, the Ukraine gives us gas, or, or they frack. I believe they frack in— Most uh, places do. Yeah, most places are fracking. So all these anti-frackers, you're still buying fracked gas. It's just somewhere right. else. But yeah, well, and it's also— God knows how much gas is being burned on those giant cargo barges that are shipping it across the entire world. Right. Yep. All You're of it makes right. no sense. Also, the fact that it could it could spill, it could leak. They do. Car, uh, fuel ships leak all the time. Yeah, yeah gas and pipes are much destroy, safer uh, because yeah, there's less They destroy the environment, wrong. but whatever. I'm not in charge. But I don't understand how it is that the entire eastern hemisphere is just polluting the living piss out of our our planet here and we sit over here blaming it on us we don't we don't pollute anywhere near as much as the eastern hemisphere because they don't hear about it how could you not know though with seven and a half billion people you're gonna have a lot of pollution if the news doesn't tell them about it it doesn't exist isn't that just amazing how simple as that people are most people are so dumb it's unbelievable <laughs> that's a hundred percent true it's yeah. just unfortunately it is. it's amazing it's like oh you could pollute all you want and then when we don't want to pollute we'll pollute even more by buying your polluted gasoline and pollute having it shipped over yep. that makes no sense at all nope 
But people get elected by talking. Oh no, we could ship it. It's still a lot better than if we do it. No, it isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I, I, well, whatever. They just don't seem to care what happens yeah, over don't. over there. Over in that east, over on the east side, as they say. Well, it's easier to yeah. hide things when they happen millions of miles away. Well, not millions, but you know, right. a lot, thousands. Yeah, thousands. We tens know of thousands. In so, some areas. Anyway, so. Yeah, that's what I spent my morning doing. Well, see what a devoted wife you are. I'm just hoping that they'll have gas on the turnpikes and stuff. That's what I'm kind of worried about since you're driving quite a ways. But wouldn't that be considered an emergency route where they would have to keep those things full? Because if anybody had to evacuate, you're going to have to use the turnpikes and the highways, right? Yeah. They're going to have to keep those. Well, that's, I guess they don't have to do anything. (laughs) It's but true. You would think. Well, you would we'll think that it. they'd keep those. We'll keep an eye on it for you. You'll be fine. Don't worry about a thing. Uh, as long as I have enough gas to get up to Port St. Lucie, I guess there's gas up there. Well, you're covered then. You're fine. Okay. Right. Well, um, Catherine, hmm. you know those hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of DVDs that we have around our two houses? Yes. Uh, Netflix is ending its DVD by mail business. So... <laughs> They're still oh, I would have tossed that? these they're all still years doing ago. That. I know, but I didn't know they were still doing it. Did you? No. I yeah, thought I they stopped did years that. ago. Yeah, we just had this conversation not too long on the podcast. That yeah, I, we I did. said that Netflix was oh, that's still right. that's doing right. a mail out because somebody, I don't know who, I don't know. I don't know where somebody told me or I read about somebody that was like so anti tech that they mm. were still doing mm. um, CDs through Netflix. I don't blame them. They can't spy on you. Those were, DVD those were the days, like lining up the queue and then oh, yeah. sending them back, waiting for whatever video yep. to come back. I used that. to do Gamefly, which was the same thing for yep. video games. Yep. They'd send you like Xbox 360 games and yeah, then uh-huh. you'd send it out and get the new one. Yep. That was pretty neat. Yeah. I remember I got my parents like Netflix password and then like pushed all my brother and sister's DVDs to the bottom of the queue so I could get all mine first. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh. Yep. There you go. Andy, I want you to do me a favor. Uh-huh. Uh, well, wait a minute. Maybe it's already in the story that I'm reading here. Uh, and Netflix is ending its DVD by mail business. No, it doesn't give the number in here. But somebody told me that's a $1.5 billion a year business, and it's just not worth them doing it anymore. I is doubt that... it's $1.5 billion if it's not worth them doing it. Could you look it up? Because I want to know. I mean, it's pretty um, – or maybe – well, it's got to be worth more. Well, maybe it is only one and a half million. Uh, well, Jason, our listener, says he still does it. Well, there you go. See, some people just don't want all that tech in their house. I understand that. DVDs do take... We just got rid of a lot of DVDs. We had a box of DVDs that Melissa's been collecting since she was basically a kid. Right. And, yeah, we just got rid of all but, like, probably uh, 20 of them or so. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Well, uh, yeah, remember all the um, Disney ones? It was like, it's oh, going yeah. to release for one vault, year and yep. one year mm-hmm. only. Yes. Yep. Yeah. The DVD service generated $154 million last year. I mean, oh. that would probably keep it around. You could always use $154 million. million? $145. Yeah. $145 million. Yes. Somewhere around 1.3 or 1.2 million subscribers. Oh, there you go. So, so huh. basically, give me that number one more so time. So wait, that doesn't. That a so 1.2 million people, that means it costs like $100 a year, more than $100 a year? 
Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Is that right? Well, yeah, because yeah, like it's ten dollars a month, subscription right? Subscription is, I think it's up to like thirteen, fourteen dollars now for the DVDs. Oh no, I'm talking about for like the normal like Netflix. Yeah, the DVDs oh, is yeah. apparently as little as ten dollars a month. So oh, okay. yeah, hundred twenty dollars a year. I guess that does that does track. Okay, and what's the number again? It was four hundred million or something. One hundred forty million. One hundred forty million. There you go. Okay, so I just like to point something out. So one hundred forty million. Uh, you. Stack that up next to this uh, story about, uh, and again, I'm not taking a side in this Dominion thing with the Republican Party and Fox and all that. I'm not taking sides in this. But people need to understand, oh, that's really going to hurt him. It's not going to hurt him one bit. The $787 million that he has to pay Dominion because they lied about uh, the system is 6% of his net worth. Mm Mm-hmm. He doesn't wow. care at all. Six no, percent. Nope. Now I do have a question. When you have to pay a penalty like that, you can't write that off, though, can you? Or is that a business expense? I doubt it would be a co- considered yeah, a business so. expense. I think it shouldn't be. If it's a business expense, you're not doing business correctly. But I mean, look at that. So you're in a situation where 130 million for Netflix. You said Andy. Uh, 140. Yeah. 140. Okay, so you take five times of that or six times that, and that's what he's paying. They're shutting it down because yeah. it's only worth $140 million. That $700, and again, I'm not saying it's the right thing. I'm not saying good for him. That's not what I'm saying at all. I don't have a side in this fight, Dominion and, and Rupert Murdoch. I don't have a, I, nothing to do with me. It's just don't think that he's going to suffer. The man's, they, they printed his net worth at about $17.5 billion. Right. It's closer to $30 billion. Yeah, so he essentially just paid $100. Yeah, exactly. To, so he didn't well, care. So he the Fox care. Corporation, are they like the ultimate owner of everything, yes, or do they owned, have an owner as well? No, Ur- Rupert Murdoch owns all of them. Fox Corporation uh, in 2021 made $13 billion in revenue. <laughs> Jeez. So, so yeah, I think they'll so be it's, okay. So yep. it's the what is that, Andy? About eight percent of their revenue? Well, let's see. Seven hundred eighty-seven million. He probably wrote that check and said, "Do I need to add gratuity to this as well? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. do you guys want some extra?" What's the tip? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. That's true. Let's see. Yeah, it's six percent. Six percent. Yeah. That's what we said from the very beginning. Six percent. And he doesn't care. He doesn't care, and it's not going to change any no. actions that you want nope. changed. No. Nope. Well, these new, I I wonder how much the average mainstream media company pays out in settlements in oh, a year. A oh, a ton. I bet all of them are constantly paying out settlements, and I, I bet a lot of them are pretty big too. So, Catherine, yeah, just because it was a woman that said this, I got to tell you she, what she said, and I don't know which woman it was. It was one of the women on CNN. Like I said, I don't have a dog in this fight. I watch a little Fox, a little CNN. I hate them both. I think they're obnoxious as hell, but they announced Rupert Murdoch has been forced by the U.S. justice system to pay Dominion $787 million in penalties. Boy, what a hit that was. And the woman goes, yay, a victory for democracy. Oh, my God. Like, oh, good God. Really? These people are created in a laboratory. Um, Throw a parade down Main Street. I, I was I was noticing there was some sort of stuff about this um, on social media this morning about how the fact that this is going to open up 
the lawsuits for disinformation. It is. So when people start, Good. the people that have been lying now are going to be able to go after um, news sources that have been lying. So it, this might be a big blow to Fox, but it also might end up being a big blow to a bunch of other news outlets because we mm-hmm. know that they're not all... Uh, Truthful. No, well, they'll just in hide, any their, way, shape, or form. hide their tracks better. The I only reason you can win a lawsuit like this is if you have proof that they knew that right. they were lying. Right. Yes. Yep. And the only reason they had proof that they knew that they were lying was because of like leaked text messages or something like yes. that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So as long as you hide your tracks, you can't get sued. New York <laughs> Times versus um, Sullivan. Thank the Supreme Court for that one. Did you know that Dominion called? Fox several times and said, look, if you just stop doing it, we won't go after you. Just stop yeah. lying about us, and then we won't go after you. They didn't stop lying. They deserve to be sued into Well, oblivion. they didn't think they were lying. They, you know, yes, I mean, they, they really did. did believe in this. Well, there was a bunch of stuff about the machines all stopped working at the same time, did, and yeah, that, I guess, that was true. That was true, yes. Well, a lot but of what I they guess, said was true. But the problem that is, is you can't prove that they had the intent Yes, the machine stopped working. Mm-hmm. No one's ever going to know why, all at the same time. Um, but you have to prove that they had intent to mess with the election. Well, I have a question. Problem, right. And I don't think yeah. they had that. I have a question for everybody. Do you think we've ever been through an election in America from day one that hasn't been rigged or lied about in some way? <laughs> Zero. Zero times. Uh, probably George Washington. No. <laughs> yeah, me. I don't even know if that's true. I don't Andy. think George Washington was elected. No, he wasn't. That's true. No, I, I think, think he was appointed. Every election, all it is, the real question is just to what degree yes. were, was everybody yes. cheating? And as long as everybody's cheating about the same amount, then nobody gets mad. <laughs> oh. well, as long so as they're cheating go. on the candidate that I want to win, right? It's okay. Yeah, that's pretty much the way it is. But, I, you know, look, and I'm not nailing a dominion. I'm not saying they were lying or whatever. But I think there's so much rigging and fixing going on in that business of voting. It is. Yes. I cannot believe, by the way, that you can now go around and collect votes from people who don't want to vote. Mm-hmm. You can actually collect them and put them in the ballot oh, box. Ballot mm-hmm. harvesting. That's yeah. disgusting. Yep, and there's nothing stopping you from slipping them a $5 bill either. I know. Or a $20 it's bill unbelievable. or whatever the person, you know, is. How did we ever allow that? There are two have. things that, that with our current voting status that should have never been allowed, and that was one of them. Ballot harvesting. You should just do what they do in Australia, compulsory voting. Yeah, you have to vote. If you, you don't get vote, you get uh, fine. Good. That sounds good to me. I like it. Works for me. All right, let me know when Ralph is ready to go, if you would, by the way. Uh, okay, I'm going to sign okay. off here because I'm starting to hear the pounding. You're making um, it up. We can't hear pounding. any pounding. You're making that up. I am totally not making it up, believe me. I'm very <laughs> glad that you're not here because you doing the morning show, you would have lost your mind. Oh, I bet. Well, They're jackhammering up tile. Uh, so, uh, okay. yeah, they're just on a break right now. It's lunch break. They'll be doing it again. Or they are just started. They got it, it was all quiet for out. a half an hour. So. All right, my dear. So you're leaving tomorrow morning at like 9 o'clock? Uh, that's the goal. All right, so we'll see you. What time you figure? About 6, 7 o'clock Sunday night? I, I really cannot make any predictions. I said time. make a prediction right now. Sorry. I need to know. I'll let you know when I get to wherever I'm going and I'm halfway there. 
<laughs> what? Whatever I meant to say. What the hell was that? I'll let you know when I get there and I'm halfway well, away I just, from where you I'm know, I don't know if I'm going to encounter. I don't know if I'm going to encounter bad weather. I don't know what's going to happen. Mm. I'm just going to try. I'm, I've got a route. I've got, and hopefully everything will work out. And well, when I get, when I get about eight hours away from home, I'll feel like that. It'll be true enough. That, that that'll actually happen. Well, there you, you go. Know? Yeah. I should mention, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that uh, yesterday, October 8th, uh, October, April 18th, 2023, was the first grab the chairs and sit out in the driveway event of the year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you did it? We got together. La- it was beautiful last night. Actually. Mm-hmm. Little it was like 60. Chilly, but, yeah, it was like 60, though, so it was nice. Just had a wonderful conversation talking about this, that, and the other thing. So everybody's excited to see you, Catherine. I uh, know. It'll be nice to see everybody, <clears throat> too. All right, we'll stay on top of it. Enjoy your day. Now, today, are you, are, you, are, you, are you going out golfing today? No, I was going to, but then um, the gas thing happened. Oh, that, yeah, I suppose. Gee, that's too And bad. I thought I wanted to get that taken care of, so I, I, for, I, went, I forewent my fun for you, dear. Just for you, Tom. As usual. As usual, you had to <laughs> As suffer. As usual, I get no fun because I'm taking care of your crap. Thank you, my dear. We appreciate it immensely. Welcome. I love you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. All right. Bye. Bye. Tom here. For years, you've heard me talk about my friends at North American Banking Company. They have great online and mobile banking options, plus friendly employees who are always ready to help. And with their location in Maple Grove now open, it's even more convenient for me and my family. Go visit my friends at any one of their six Twin Cities locations or go online to nabankco.com to learn more. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. Yes, and you. with that, we have Ralph on the See, line. See, look at the timing. The perfect, timing's magnificent, perfect timing. as a matter of fact. Ladies and gentlemen, Ralph White, our very special guest, getting out of Saigon, how a 27-year-old American banker saved 113 Vietnamese civilians. Ralph, this is going to be one of those interviews where we're going to sit back and shut up and listen to a great story. Tom, you're very kind to have me on. Thanks. No, it's great having you on. Believe me. And like I said, I don't even want to talk. This is an amazing, fantastic story. So I literally want to shut up and hear what it's all about. Well, uh, <clears throat> it's, uh, it's a crazy story, really. Uh, Ten years out of high school, I, uh, I was 27 years old, and uh, uh, the Chase Manhattan Bank sent me to, uh, to work in Bangkok, and I was minding my own business. I was a very junior officer there, and uh, and then senior management came to me and said, uh, hey, Ralph, uh, how'd you like to take over our, our Saigon branch? And in the normal course of events, I might uh, I might be running a, a foreign branch in another dozen years or so. And it, they just sprung it on me. And the reason was that our uh, Chase's manager in Saigon was Dutch. And he didn't think the Americans would help uh, him get out uh, in the final hours uh, during the fall of Saigon. Uh, the North Vietnamese troops were 
flooding down over the demilitarized zone and and had uh, knocked off the uh, the northern provinces. So it was a very unstable political situation. And Chase needed somebody there who was uh, uh, young, single, expendable, and uh, nearby. And there I was in Bangkok. And by chance, I spoke a couple hundred words of uh, Vietnamese from uh, a previous assignment there. Uh, so I just showed up and, uh, uh, you know, shook hands with the four senior officers. And, and then the management uh, took me to the embassy and introduced me to all the, the big hitters, uh, uh, the, the ambassador, the deputy chief of mission, the political officer, the economics officer, the commercial attache, who was my supposed to be my main contact there. I uh, met with the commanding general, uh, Homer Smith, first two-star general I ever met. And uh, I met with uh, the deputy director of the CIA, and uh, they were all uh, instructed to answer my phone calls and help me out uh, when the going got tough. God, what a story this is. We're talking to Ralph White about getting out of Saigon, how a 27-year-old American banker saved 113 Vietnamese civilians. Uh, April 1975, you're talking about, Ralph, is that correct? Yes, April, uh, I w April 1975. I went in on uh, April 14, and my book is written as a sort of almost like a diary. April 14, April 15, each chapter is a day. Uh, and it leads right to the end when I, uh, when I left, uh, uh, sprawled out on the floor uh, with, with 300 other refugees sitting on the floor of a cargo jet. Uh, the, uh, so shortly after arrival, I, uh, you know, I asked, uh, I said, well, you know, so I just have to call you and, and tell you when to lay on a plane and, uh, and you'll take my people out. And they said, no, no, there's, Ralph, there's, there's been a misunderstanding. We're not going to help you get your uh, employees out. Oh, God. Uh, uh, and, and, and the background for that was the, uh, the host government, the South Vietnamese government, had uh, initiated a law that uh, anybody leaving the country had to have a, uh, an exit visa. If you, if you think of the movie Casablanca, remember uh, 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 Humphrey Bogart was hiding those letters of transit? Those were actually exit visas. And that's what everybody in Saigon was after, just the same way uh, they were in, in the movie Casablanca. Uh, and they were not available at any price. So uh, to add to that drama, the, uh, the North Vietnamese uh, had swarmed over the, uh, the demilitarized zone and was, uh, had flooded the, the country with uh, 70,000 uh, battle-hardened troops. Now, to put this in context, uh, uh, two years earlier at the Paris Peace Accords, uh, uh, Kissinger and uh, Lee Duck Toe from the other side had agreed on 50 troops per country that uh, the Americans had to wind down all of their forces in Vietnam uh, to 50 troops, and the North Vietnamese were supposed to have done the same. Well, guess what? The United States was the only uh, party to that agreement that followed the agreement. We were down to 50 troops. So there were 70,000 North Vietnamese swarming down the demilitarized <laughs> over the and the South Vietnamese army was unable to stop them. Uh, individual uh, 
uh, soldiers for the South Vietnamese Army were were just as uh, courageous and proud and and good soldiers as any as any country. Uh, they're no those people are no different from us. However, they were very badly led. The officer corps in the South Vietnamese Army was 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 terrible, and they were often the first to uh, uh, to leave the battlefield. And so there were the roads from the northern uh, provinces were glutted with uh, civilians pushing uh, push carts and wheelbarrows full of their worldly possessions, or just walking with the clothes on their back. Uh, and they were all headed for Saigon. And so things just got, were getting worse and worse and worse. We couldn't get our people out and the troops were getting closer and closer. The last battle for uh, South Vietnam was uh, the battle for Zuan Lak. That was 40 miles away from Saigon. And when that battle ended, uh, uh, Saigon was defenseless. You know, it's so amazing about that. Ralph, is it true? I mean, this is the impression that I got because I was very young when this all happened. Um, I was a, well, I, I shouldn't say very young. I guess I was in my early 20s. So you were 20, just a few years younger than you. Uh, the impression that I got from just looking at world maps and from talking to people like yourself who had been there and all the rest of it was the whole Vietnam conflict, and that's what they called it back then, was a Vietnam conflict. It was not a war. It was a conflict. I remember that. Right. Um, it looked to me that if the North could win that war, China would have direct access to Australia. Was that part of their thinking? Yeah, well, it was It was the, the height of the Cold War, so it was really... Uh, uh, a proxy superpower uh, war. Right. Uh, United States was up against, uh, you know, Russia. Russia supplied uh, most of the arms um, and a lot of the money. And China was just over the border. And uh, so it was really the United States against China and Russia. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, we were backing the South Vietnamese uh, democracy and they were backing the North Vietnamese uh, dictatorship, and so it was democracy against dictatorship on a very on a relatively small scale, but backed by superpowers. It's such an amazing story, but uh, isn't it always about uh, these conflicts are always about money? And again, that's why I asked that question about direct access to uh, Australia, because if China and Russia can take over Australia, all of a sudden they got all this. I mean, much many many more uh, ways to get to products. Like they're, we're going to have to buy from them now, unfortunately. Uh, if we're going to buy any gas and oil, we're going to have to buy it from the Eastern Hemisphere, which I don't really understand that thinking either, Ralph, and I don't want to drag you into that kind of deal, but it just seems to me that if we kind of tried to take care of our own over here, we wouldn't have to pay enormous prices and pollute much more by, by shipping that gasoline and oil over here. It makes no sense to me. How do we get in these things, Ralph? Well, we're uh, we're a democracy. We're uh, the leader of the free world. We uh, uh, we we believe in making the world safe for democracy. We uh, we carry the flag. We support demo uh, fledgling democracies around the world, and we uh, we try to oppose uh, the spread of dictatorship. I think we most Americans were are are in favor mm -hmm. of that as a. Uh, as a general uh, as a general principle, 
we um, we're we're proud of what we've become over a couple hundred years. Um, what uh, what happens though with the passage of time, Tom, is that uh, is that uh, more young men keep coming home in boxes. Yeah, and, uh, and, and and that adds up. And and you ask the you ask the average American uh, if it's worth what what it's worth to support a young democracy like uh, South Vietnam's, and uh, and they say, yeah, 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 we support it. We'll put uh, we'll you know, we'll put a couple hundred million dollars into million dollars into it. And then uh, and then you you say, well, you know, how many how many uh, dead Americans that will you are you willing to put up with? And by the time it got to uh, 57,000, 58,000 dead, um, the American public put its foot down and said, we're not doing this anymore. We want out. God, what a story you have, Ralph. Now, how long total were you there? On that uh, assignment, I was there only 13 days. Oh, it's God. kind of amazing to think. <laughs> yeah. I, I sometimes refer to it as my 13-day memoir. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I also sometimes tell people, I'm a guy with an interesting past and a dull present. Uh, oh, I don't know about that. I've kind of looked at your, your qualifications and your and resume. They, they, they say, Ralph, tell us about the interesting part, not the dull part. <laughs> well, do you ever? So point? anyway, I, I so there I am uh, sitting, uh, going into the embassy every single day, uh, up on the third floor. Uh, all the uh, the heavy hitters were on the third floor. Uh, they they thought that the the lower floors could be attacked by infantry if the if the uh, uh, the enemy troops sort of swarmed into Saigon, so they didn't think the lower floors were safe, and they thought the upper floors might get hit by rockets. Oh, uh, so so the ambassador and the uh, uh, all of the other the senior political officers were all on the third floor. So that was where I spent a lot of my time, just going from room to room, actually groveling, uh, and uh, and then. Uh, and then I started uh, thinking about illegal ways to get my people out mm -hmm. if, if I couldn't get them out legally. So I, um, I, I had a, a pilot's license and I, um, I considered stealing an airplane and flying, flying them out to uh, Thailand. And uh, I, I actually selected a DC-3 uh, that was on the, uh, uh, on the corner of the airfield uh, uh, and I actually started it up and made sure the engines worked. It had fuel in the tanks, and I was prepared to steal it. And then I also had a Marine Master Certificate. I don't know how I happened to have all that stuff in, at that age. but uh, So I considered stealing a rice ship and going down the Saigon River. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, the bank had uh, given me uh, $25,000 in... Uh, in twenties, uh, banded twenties in case I had to pay bribes. And, uh, and I carried a 38 special revolver in case, uh, 25,000 wasn't enough. Now you did save 113 Vietnamese civilians. How did that happen? I, I went to the, um, the security office. Uh, they call themselves the mission warden. Um, there were civilians, but, uh, but they were, a lot of them were, like retired army people. And while I was there, 
the 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 gentleman I was I was I went there to meet was called out of his office, and I walked around his his desk to see what he was working on, and I saw that there was a flight manifest with Vietnamese names on it, and I knew right away that he was getting. Uh, embassy uh, uh, staffers out, uh, local local nationals, Vietnamese. When he came back into the room, I said, you're getting your people out, aren't you? And he said, yeah. And I said, do you think I could use that program to get my people out? He said, yeah, I, I probably could. But then he wasn't willing to, to give me any details oh. about who they were. <clears throat> so I had to, uh, I went back to the political officer who who turned out to be running a clandestine program behind the ambassador's back. And I, I learned there was an evacuation control center out at Tansanud Air Base. So I, uh, uh, I went out there and I met, uh, I, I familiarized myself with the operation. And, uh, and I, uh, eventually I got the uh, commercial attache, who was my main minder at the embassy, to uh, assign me a, a bus, uh, an embassy bus, to get through the gates of Tansanud Air Base. Uh, where the uh, evacuation flights were uh, running out of. And, uh, and I, uh, I got in the line, and I, I got to the front of the line, and, and, and uh, there was a vice consul there, and he said, uh, he said let, me, let me have your identification. I gave him my passport, and uh, he said, what can I do for you, Mr. White? And uh, I said, well, you can, you can help me get some, uh, some Vietnamese out of here. And uh, and and I didn't say that they were Chase Manhattan Bank employees because that that line hadn't gotten me anywhere over the last week or so. Oh. So I just said uh, I want I want to get some Vietnamese out, and he asked back. He said, "Wife and children," as though I were you know, uh, as though as though I had I was trying to get my family out. Right. 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 So I said, uh, I thought to myself quickly. I said. I thought to myself, well, you know, my in my group, in my group of refugees, there are wives, and there are children. Uh, they're not mine. Uh, so I, I answered affirmatively. I said yes, and he said, okay. How many forms do you need? One form for each person. And I said, <laughs> just, I took them out in two groups, so that I was just had half the group uh, in that in that on that day. So I said, well, I need uh, sixty-eight forms. <laughs> And, uh, and he said, he said, he said, you're 27 years old. You can't, you can't support that many uh, wards. And I said, guess what? I have deep pockets. <laughs> I was referring to David Rockefeller's deep yeah, pockets. He sure. owned the Chase Manhattan Bank, right? And, uh, and, and then I, I saw he was very undecided because uh, it was breaking the law, basically. And then I leaned in and I, and I, and I basically whispered to him, I said, you can do a lot of harm or you can do a lot of good. And he, he grabbed a bundle of forms and gave them to me. And I, and I, I went back and filled them all out with the names of my uh, employees, their spouses and their children. And, uh, and I was, uh, I, I got them manifested on a flight. And now here's the, here's the, the, the kicker. I, I, I was leaving with them. I checked out of the hotel. I was I was headed out of Saigon, and I was glad to be rid of the place. I mean, I like Saigon, but it was uh, turning into a hellhole. So uh, I uh, I uh, I went to the bathroom, and in the bathroom, 
I ran into the commercial attache from the embassy. And uh, he said, hey, Ralph, uh, uh, I, I can get you another bus tomorrow if you want to bring the rest of your people out. Ooh. And uh, I thought, Jesus, do I want to do that? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I got one foot out of here. I'm, I checked out of the hotel. I'm gone. But actually, I had promised the staff that I was going to make best efforts to get them all out. So I went back into Saigon uh, uh, with the commercial attache and uh, checked back into my hotel. And, and the next morning I went into the bank and uh, uh, the, they had already realized that the senior officers were all gone, that all of the department heads and the officers were all gone. The vault was locked. They knew they'd been left behind uh, and they were they were going berserk. Uh, but they saw me walk in. And they thought, ooh, Mr. White's still here. Uh-huh. Maybe we're going to get out after all. And uh, and they did. I gave them a new rendezvous point. We got on the bus and uh, got through the gates of Tansanut. And, and uh, we didn't get out that night. We had to sleep on the ground, the bare ground, at the air, out at the air base. No, no cots, no, no bedrolls, no blankets, no sheets, nothing just sleeping on the ground in the open air, uh, all of us, and uh, including me. I didn't have a place to sleep. And, uh, and the next uh, day, uh, it took, took till 7 p.m. the next day to, for us to get out. It was a madhouse. And uh, they, they, we, we walked onto the, the, into a, a C-141 Starlifter, one of these huge uh, Air Force cargo planes. There were no seats we all just uh, sprawled out on the floor and, uh, and the jet took off. And then I, I realized I had no idea what country we were flying to. Uh, they hadn't told us where we were going. Okay. Uh, we ended up in, uh, we ended up in the Philippines and, uh, they put us up in, uh, the air force put us up in, uh, at Clark air force base in some abandoned barracks. And, uh, and we stayed there three days and, and then uh, Ferdinand Marcos kicked all the refugees out of the Philippines and and they flew us to Guam, where there was this massive tent city with 30,000 refugees oh, uh, living man. in pretty, pretty sorrowful conditions. Um, but at least we had cots we slept on and blankets and and uh, cold milk for the kids and cigarettes for the adults and. We started, you know, we were, we were doing okay. And then the Chase Manhattan Bank located us and put us up in a hotel and uh, stayed there a couple of days and then flew us to uh, uh, Camp Pendleton in, in South uh, Southern California where they all the refugees got processed for their social security cards. And then we flew to uh, uh, our head office in New York and David Rockefeller shook my hand and took them off, uh, you know, took, took possession of all the refugees and, and put them in foster homes and the kids started going to schools and, and that was the end of it for, I went back, I was, I went back to Thailand and, uh, uh, I had, a I stayed out in Asia for another 10 years. Uh, that was, that was going to be the end of it. Uh, Back in 1975. That's an amazing story, Ralph. So all of these 113 people ended up living in America. You did not. 
Has there ever been a time in your life, this is almost 50 years ago when this happened, is there ever a time in your life where you happen to be in a certain area, New York City, wherever, have you ever happened upon any of these people later in your life? No, I, uh, I, I, on home leaves, I would occasionally uh, get invited to sort of backyard parties in New Jersey, and mm -hmm. uh, and I, I had some contacts, but you know, we didn't have, we didn't have email. Uh, there were no uh, mobile phones there. Uh, they were living in foster homes and uh, just getting started. Uh, many of them left the New York, uh, New Jersey area. Uh, a lot of them moved to Florida or Texas and, or California where the, uh, where the climate was, suited them better. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and of course, I was still living overseas. By the time I came back in 1981 for, for keeps, uh, I'd lost uh, contact with all of them. When computers came in and search engines came in, I tried searching for their names and um, I tried contacting some of the other uh, expatriates in uh, at Chase Manhattan Bank who might have known them, uh, but it was just a dead end. I couldn't I couldn't find any of them. Now here's the here's the interesting part of that story. So I finally write the book, and part part of my my thinking in writing the book was maybe some of them will. We'll hear about it if the right. book is successful. Maybe maybe some of them will read this the story and say, "Hey, hey, you know," and, and then contact me. But uh, what happened was uh, the book uh, I sold the book to uh, Simon and Schuster, uh, and and they had a, a publication date of last year actually, and and when the, the the as the publication date was approaching, my editor called and said, "Ralph, guess what we." supply chain problems, uh, our printer can't get enough ink and paper to, to make books. So we're going to uh, delay your publication for 10 months. And I was almost in tears. I mean, I really wanted to see this happen. And uh, he said, well, look, why don't you try to use the time productively? Uh, try to try to make an extra effort to try to locate some of your, your refugees. And uh, it was... I really didn't know what to do, but one thing I did do was I, uh, I, I, I located some Vietnamese American community associations, uh, and I, uh, I called the New Jersey one, which was the nearest one, and 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 the president said, "Well, why don't you why don't you come to our Lunar New Year gala?" Uh, and uh, he said, "You can be my my guest." And so my girlfriend and I went. And there was, it was a big, it was kind of like a gymnasium attached to a church uh, in, uh, I forgot what town it was, maybe Piscataway, one of those towns. And uh, and I, uh, we walked in, we were the only Caucasians in a, in a sea of Vietnamese. Uh, there was loud Vietnamese music playing. They were all dressed up with their, their special uh, Vietnamese outfits. And there was Vietnamese food and it was really a, a a fantastic uh, gathering, and uh, I sat down, sort of not knowing where to start with my my quest. I sat down at one of these big round tables that seats sixteen people, and a uh, and a young woman sat down next to me and said, "What are you doing here?" And uh, and I said, "I felt really lame saying it. Geez, I'm <laughs> I'm trying to find the employees of the Chase Manhattan Bank Saigon branch that I worked with in 1975." And, and she said, uh, 
do you know somebody named Mingya? I said, yeah, she was the senior. She was one of the senior officers in the bank. She And, and the woman said, she's one of my best friends. Oh. I'm going to get her. I'm going to get her on the cell phone for you. She pulled out her phone and called her, and I was talking to uh, one of my refugees. And through her, I've managed to uh, reconnect with uh, 25 Vietnamese families, and I've sent them all copies of my book. And they sent you a thank you, I would imagine. Uh, it's uh, it's really, it makes my, my eyes water to, oh, to, to, to even think about it. Last night, I... I did a, a book event in uh, not last night, night before last in uh, in uh, Concord, New Hampshire, at uh, Gibson's bookstore, and I there was a small group. It was raining, it was windy, it was terrible outside, but about uh, twelve people showed up, and I was, you know, doing the story the way I am just with you right now, and at, towards the end of it, a Vietnamese man walked in and sat down, and then I. Uh, we had uh, Q, uh, questions and answers, and and then I, w I was heading to, over to to sign books, and and the Vietnamese man walked up and said, "You brought me out when I, I I'm a, I'm one of your refugees. I, I was five years old when you brought me out. You saved my family. My 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 father was a a major had been a major in the army and an official in the government. He would have been shot for sure." Uh, my younger brothers never would have been born. I wouldn't be here. All four of us went to Rutgers University. Uh, we're all uh, uh, productive Americans. Uh, and he, this this uh, fellow, had uh, uh, volunteered for the uh, the armed forces, U.S. armed forces. He he fought in Afghanistan. I said I said to him, "Were you you an officer or an enlisted man?" He said, "I wanted to fight. I enlisted." <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Ralph, I, I just, uh, what a great story. This is a wonderful story of one human being caring about 113 other human beings. And if you ever get a chance, I'm not, you know, I'm just asking you to do this, not telling you to do this. But I would like these 113 Vietnamese people who went through pretty much hell, and you were there with them, you went through it with them, Maybe they could reach out to Americans and go, you know, you're constant bitching about how you're, you're a victim and everything sucks. Maybe it really doesn't. So calm down and shut up. What do you think? Well, I'll tell you what they're doing is uh, there's, uh, they're making good examples of, yes. of themselves. They are, uh, these, these people have made fantastic Americans. They are, they're hardworking. They pay their taxes they they're they've got educations they they get married they stay married they uh uh now now they're on their uh, the the children i brought in have children of their own so there's kind of a third generation already and and the uh my book is dedicated to not just to the refugees that i brought out but to their their descendants in america and obviously getting like 113 of these refugees out is an incredible story, but at some point, like when they're in that kind of like fight or flight mode, was it hard to kind of get everybody to be like, Hey, stay with me. I am fighting to get you out. Did people try to get out on their own that you weren't able to get across? There were, there were a, a few of our employees, uh, three that I know of one young woman, uh, uh, seemed to have some way of getting out. Uh, she was our, our, uh, our cable operator. So when she left, uh, uh, um, other people had to work the cable machine. 
another uh, woman, a uh, senior officer, uh, was married to the uh, to a, to an executive in uh, Air Vietnam, uh, the local uh, carrier, and so the two of them had a way of getting out on civil aviation. So they left, uh, but uh, the rest of them, well, you think about it, Tom. They had no way of getting out aside um, if chased it if the chasement hadn't bank didn't help them if David Rockefeller hadn't made up his mind to to uh, uh, to, to do this humanitarian gesture and uh, and send an American in to uh, uh, to make sure that they got out uh, they wouldn't have gotten out they'd have gone to these what you know are euphemistically called re-education camps they were actually brutal pr prison camps where they were subject to physical and, and psychological torture. We shouldn't call them re-education camps. Uh, uh, they, they would have uh, died. Uh, we also feared a bloodbath. Uh, when the North Vietnamese had taken over Hue during the Tet Offensive in 68, they'd, uh, they'd executed 3,000 civilians and rolled them into muddy pits and covered them over. Uh, that's what uh, the Chase Manhattan Bank employees expected to happen if they didn't get out. So, yeah, they kept coming into work and they, they, they looked to me, they looked to the Chase Manhattan Bank as, uh, as, as their savior. I'll, uh, I'll tell you one more thing, Tom. Uh, I, I hear, you know, when I, when I talk to people at bookstores and churches and clubs, uh, uh, you know, at, you know, towards the end, some people say, well, gosh, Ralph, you were such a hero, so courageous. I, you know, I just want to head that one off on your on your show here. Uh, okay. I have a characteristic that uh, I, a lot of people have it, but I have it in spades. It's willfulness. Uh, and I think it was my willfulness more than more than courage or 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 valor or anything like that. When when the ambassador told me that he that he wasn't going to help me get my people out and that I couldn't take my people out. That was all I needed. I knew I was going to go around his back one way or the other. <laughs> and it, it wasn't courage. It was just it was just pure New England, you know, country boy willfulness. Ralph, I will tell you, uh, this is coming from me now that it is courage because uh, a 75-year-old man almost burst into tears telling his story. That is not just willfulness. That's a phenomenal heart, Ralph, is what that is. Yeah, you're very kind to say so. I, uh, I, feel, uh, I feel blessed for, uh, for having been. Uh, uh, I was, uh, uh, it, it changed me, uh, as you might imagine. Sure. I was uh, footloose, fancy-free. Uh, uh, you know, I uh, drank too much. I was a uh, playboy. I, I uh, was too good looking for my own good. And I, <laughs> I, I used, okay. uh, I, I used, I used my looks uh, <laughs> to my advantage, and uh, and I, uh, and then I went through this uh, trial by fire when I was uh, twenty seven, and uh, it it really has changed me. It's made me a a more thoughtful, uh, decent person. Ralph, you're a tremendous guy. Please come back whenever you want. It was wonderful to talk to you. And as I said, I hope every American hears you talk because this is what we used to be about. Let's get back there, right? You're very kind to say so, Tom. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. Ralph White, ladies and gentlemen, getting out of Saigon, how a 27-year-old American banker saved 113 Vietnamese civilians. It's available on Amazon and everywhere, but... Uh, 
Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. I tell you... I don't know if how you guys held. I saw Tevin's the look on his face <laughs> when Ralph started crying a little bit there, talking about that. And Tevin, you almost went under. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I first know. of all, for him to just like to get that assignment, like you want me to go where? <laughs> you want me to do what? Like, how about we get a plan established yeah. and locked in before I get there, and then I'll just make sure it goes accordingly. Do you think we need more people like Ralph White? Stepping up, and I, he wouldn't do it because he doesn't. He's not a selfish jury, unless he was asked to do it. We need to get Americans' heads out of their asses and go. Listen, you don't have it bad. You're not a victim. It's not horrible. It's not yep. even close to horrible. It's time for you to grow up. Right. You're the level of like this sucks is like when you put it in the grand scheme of things. And yeah. What else is going on in the world? Like it doesn't really suck that bad. Like we're gonna be all right. Yeah, I mean, just calm down. And I know the news is pushing you to feel bad for yourself and wind up a, a, become a total wine bucket. It, it just, talking to him was so incredible because you could still hear in his voice. And I'm really glad that so many people were able to reach out to him and get a hold of him and thank mm-hmm. him for what he did. And uh, boy, that's a tremendous story, isn't it? Yeah, and then to hear, like, oh, yeah, we went to Rutgers, and now I have yeah. a family that really, like, these families, would their stories would have ended if he didn't do what he did. And so, then, yeah. like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. definitely definitely makes him emotional, and it's easy to see why. What do you think, Andy? Uh, I think it's good. <laughs> what, what kind of response <laughs> is that? What do you want me to say? No, I mean, that's got to be... <clears throat> To a guy 36 years old, like your age, he was nine years younger than you. Yeah, 27. Think about what he did. Yeah. Well, back then, if you're 18, you're expected to go fight and die, so. Yeah. It definitely, like, people had to grow up a lot quicker back then. Yep. Yep. How old are you now, Tom? 31. Just turned 31. So he's four years younger than you. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't do what he did back then now. (laughs) Going to (laughs) war-torn Vietnam. Um, There's some people who are just built differently. I'm not... I'm not going into war. I'm going to need him to come help get me out. Well, like, it's, it's like, yeah, it's like imagine your current employer is like, yeah, we need you go to go into Ukraine and close one of our branches before it gets shelled. Yeah. yeah. You just yeah. be like, I quit. I'm not doing that. Right. <laughs> right. But Ralph went. Yeah. He was like, okay. And I think what's incredible, and I guess obviously they had nowhere else to go, so they kept going to work. I'm not going into work in the middle of a war. Like, I'm well, some of these trying to get out. To, like, though. Right, yeah, and I guess, yeah, that's how bad it was. You think about it, like, no yeah, other choice. a Vietnamese 
person in the middle of the Vietnam War, they probably like, you know, you don't work today, you don't eat today. No, that's true. That's Unfortunately, true. yeah, there was a lot of that going on. Vietnam is still a lot of regions are very, very poor. Yeah, oh I God, can't even yes. imagine how poor they were in the 70s. Oh. Poor enough that uh, <clears throat> genocidal communism seemed to be in fa- like growing in favor. It's like, couldn't be worse than what we got right now. I tell you, though, I'm sitting across from uh, Tevin Pittman, and I'm sitting over here, and both of us is like, you know what else happened? <laughs> getting all teary-eyed over here. It was something That's... to hear, man. I, I think it's just, uh, I, I do think it's just a wonderful story. And I think it's people like him that'll maybe help to get us back on track because we are way off. I, why do we teach yeah. that to young children? Oh, you're a victim. Right. And I mean, like, and it's just his story gives you hope that there is, like you're saying, like that things can get better because it's like, okay, he was selfless enough where he didn't have yep. to go over mm-hmm. there and do that. He didn't have to go nope. to the extents. Once he was told no over and over again, he could have just given up and said, there's nothing I can do. But yeah, to go to those that length to get essentially complete strangers out of their situation yep. is, is, yeah, he's a much better person than most people. I couldn't agree with that more. God, that was a great, was that, was that art that set that up, Andy? I have no idea. Oh, you don't even know. It doesn't know? say anymore. Oh, it doesn't. Nope. I used to. It used to say who uh, who who teed that up, but hasn't for a while. Ah, uh, what are you going to do? But I'm sure that's that would had to be because he. Uh, what a terrific guest! Thank you again to to Ralph White. The book is available everywhere. It's on Amazon and a whole shooting match. So, I was. It made my day talking to somebody like that. I could. He. You're right, Andy. He could have just said, "You know what? I. I. Nothing I can do. I got to get out of here. Goodbye." They would have flown out. And to say, like, I thought about stealing a plane. I know, stealing an airplane. (laughs) That's, like, the most interesting part. Like, wait, you knew how to – first of all, how do you know how to fly a plane? Like, I need to know how you got all these qualifications and you're (laughs) the banker at Chase Bank. I mean, if the North Vietnamese Army is heading – I'm heading toward me. I'm going to try oh, yeah, I'm not to. Sticking, I'm not sticking around Yeah, either. I'm going to try to take that plane off. Whether or not I fail, it's going to be better than the alternative. But, I mean – Taking off a plane isn't the hard part. It's landing a plane yeah, that's the hard that's part. that's true. And as long as you got a parachute, you don't have to land it. So there you go. You just jump <laughs> out. And... I think it's all pretty – I would assume it's all pretty difficult. You think you could take off in a plane right now? I think I could take off. I think I could keep it in the air for probably a good 30 seconds or so. I don't know. There's a lot of switches and buttons. I don't think there's – unless there's, like, just an autopilot button that once I get the wheels up. Not in 1975. No. Right now. That's the other thing. Like modern planes. Sure. Well, but modern planes are also a lot more complex. Yeah. It depends. Like a crop duster kind of thing, anyone could take one of those off. It's just, you you know, you pull the wheel down. But like I – or pull it toward you? I'd figure it out when yeah. I was in there. Yeah. Get the heat of the moment. Which one's, which one's up? Let's see. There you go. All right. Let's get out of here. All right, I got to run the top ten because uh, they're talking about airplanes in there and how taken off and all the rest of it. The top ten ranked airlines in America. Do you have any guess who would be number one? The two of you. I would assume it's like Delta. It's got to be Delta. Airlines. Yeah, but okay. Delta. I would assume it's Delta. You guys are both going Delta. Yeah. It's okay. not Spirit. I know that much. <laughs> Spirit should, has no business being on the top ten list. No, unless there are only ten. We'll find out. Uh, number 10 is Frontier. I've never flown Frontier. Nope. Never heard of them. All right. American Airlines. That's yeah. pretty far down on the list for an yeah. airline that big, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I would have expected them to be higher. Yeah, me too. Envoy Air. I've never heard of Envoy Air. You, nope. 
I got no idea what that even is. Jet Blue is number seven. Okay. That's mostly on the East Coast, isn't it? Or are they all over now? I don't know. I haven't seen them in forever. But that was like a big luxury brand, whatever airline back in the day. Pretty much on the East Coast, I think. Okay. I think. Hawaiian Airlines. Now, the only memory I have on a Hawaiian Airlines. I've flown on Hawaiian Airlines a couple of times. And just after we did, there was a story that came out about the Hawaiian Airlines flight was coming in for a landing. And the roof tore right off the front one part of the plane. And I think two or three people got sucked out the hole Jeez. and just floating through the air until they hit the ground. That, ooh, God, that's eerie. Alaska Airlines, number five. Number four is United, so there you go. Uh, number three is Sky West. I don't know what Sky West is either. Nope. Never heard of that. Uh-oh. Number two is Spirit. Really? How? Number How? two is Spirit, Maybe they've changed Abby. recently. Somebody, it's just, That's not what I hear. Nobody, I, everybody that voted for this list clearly has not flown <laughs> Spirit. They've just seen the low ticket prices and thought, oh, it must be good. Is this just like revenue or what? No, it's the highest ranked airlines. In ranked like, how, though? Like rated by users? Yeah. Okay, I will read the story because I'll tell you who's number one. It's not too hard to figure out who's number one yeah, now. At this but, point, yeah. there's not a whole lot left. Finding the cheapest flight is often a traveler's priority, but there are other reasons to pick one airline over another. Wallet Hub checked out the nine largest U.S. carriers, plus two regional airlines to see how they're ranked on everything from baggage, departures, safety, to in-flight comfort. Uh. Think Wi-Fi, free beverages, snacks, and legroom, animal-related incidents, and yes, cost. Animal-related incidents? Like dogs like biting. a wolverine it. loose on the plane? Yes. And so everything you've listed, Spirit is terrible at all of those, except for <laughs> cheap flights. And it's number two. There's no legroom. Like there, it's number it's, two. Legroom is, at this point, the only thing I care about on an airline. The lone airline left out of the top ten was Southwest, which was plagued once again this week by trouble. But I agree with it. I've never flown Spirit, so I don't know anything about it, but I've heard it's terrible. I haven't either, but everyone I've yeah. talked to who has has said it's bad. When I lived in Arizona, I had I was working at this comedy club, and one of the comedians was like, hey, if you're ever looking for cheap flights, like fly Spirit. And I was oh, like, okay. okay, yeah, absolutely. Never, I flew it once, and I was mm. like, before even the flight even took off, I was like, this is the last time I'll fly Spirit because there's no leg room. The plane's tiny. Yeah. It feels yeah. like it's going to fall apart. No. I wonder what kind of planes they fly. Like, oh, uh, Spirit? Are they, I'm guessing they're not doing 747s. Probably oh, 707s. No. I wouldn't, old 707s, probably. 707, even a real thing? Oh, yeah, it used to be. I don't, they haven't made them in years, though, I don't think. Boeing 707. Yep. First produced in the 50s. So, yeah, <laughs> yep, sounds about Spiritish. Stopped being produced in the 70s, 78. Oh, okay. Hmm, so, yeah. Although the average plane is actually a lot older than you'd think. Oh, I suppose. I suppose. Well, that is true, yeah. I don't know. We just, uh, I don't know how Spirit could, I've never flown it, but I've heard it's just terrible. No, if like, think, if you think of all of like the luxury features that you enjoy about flying Delta mm. or American Airlines right. or any other, take those away and then now you have What luxury Spirit. features? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Especially These days? That seven hour flight from uh, Palm Beach to Minneapolis, St. Paul I took on Sunday. That was a thrill. All right, let's say I want to fly into JFK. Okay. On Spirit. It's probably like twenty dollars, but you're getting a twenty dollar experience. You can find There's an LGA for two hundred seventy dollars. Yeah, in May. Laguardia. Wow, a lot more expensive than I thought it would be on Spirit. Laguardia from where? From here. Really? It's also a twenty five hour flight. 
No, it's hot. What? There's a 22-hour <laughs> stop in DTW, Detroit. Ooh. Detroit. Yeah, let's let's stop for a full day in Detroit. <laughs> Why would they stop for a whole day in Detroit? Because it's cheap. Yeah, because that's I guess uh, somehow makes up for it. I don't understand why you would do that. No. Who the hell would take a flight? You got to be on for 24 hours. You You might as well just drive there at that point. Exactly. Yeah, you depart 4.15 p.m. and you get there 6.30 the next day. Oh, my God. I mean, you're not on the plane the whole time, obviously. Yeah, I suppose. But still. Oh, here we go. Five hours to Newark. There you go. That's not so bad. Five hours still a long time to get to Newark, isn't it? You're There's flying. a stop in Atlanta, of all oh, places. Oh, it goes that far yeah. south to come that far north. So, yeah, not a lot of great options that's out of there. Ridiculous. Mm. But that's yeah, that's their whole thing. If you want to fly like and not pay four hundred dollars to for a ticket, yeah, Spirit will get you there, but it's not going to be comfortable. No, it's an Airbus A320. Let's see here. Oh, the, oh those are those are nice. Air, those yeah. are nice are planes. So yeah, maybe they've improved since years ago when I flew, but. Well, they're not doing the 707s anymore. No, they are not. They finally Very jumped true. the last one. And we are back with Stretch's picks. Who's winning this thing? The Kitties, the Pack, the Bears, or the Purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit saberheating.com. Tevin, I, yeah, I'd ask Andy this, but Andy's not a, not a fan. Um, do you know this Chris Smith? Uh, what a story, this Chris Smith who played in the NFL as a defensive end for eight seasons. Mm-hmm. You remember him? I do not. I don't either. He has died at 31 years old. Smith had signed with the Seattle Sea Dragons. Sea Dragons. Part of the professional minor league XFL. Uh, yep. XFL. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it just started up this year again. Again, okay. In March, he had played five games so far. NBC reports Chris was a powerful presence in the locker room. The XFL says in a statement, loved and admired by his teammates and the coaching staff, our thoughts and prayers go out to his entire family at this very difficult time. It is not clear when Smith died. And his cause of death has not been... A 31-year-old dies and they don't know how he died? Yeah, there seems to be a lot of football players dying lately. Yes. Yeah, and I wonder if it was, like, football-related injuries or if he just died... Like, was he murdered or something? Right. Like, I wonder, like, why they're not saying how he died. Mm. Yeah, they're not even saying where they found him dead. Yeah, this is weird. Others have joined in the tributes. ESPN reports we are deeply sad by the passing of former Browns defensive end Chris Smith. Chris was one of the kindest people, teammates, and friends we've had in our organization. Uh, talk about thoughts and prayers. Smith had also played for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Cincinnati Bengals, Las Vegas Raiders, the Houston Texans, and all who posted tributes uh, recalled how kind he was. Chris was a better person than he was a player. Why would you say that? <laughs> He, he was might a better person. Ass at football, but <laughs> he was terrible. Sure was football. nice. Terrible football player. Why but nice would you guy. say that? <laughs> I think they <laughs> meant terrible. to say he was an even better person, yeah. but they yeah yep. yeah they didn't say it quite right. Chris was a better person than he was a player. <laughs> thank, nice. God he, thank God he was nice because he couldn't play to save his life. That's terrible. Is the uh, XFL getting like? Is anyone watching it? Um, I think the TV. I mean, the TV ratings aren't great, but. 
nobody goes to the stadiums. If you watch the game, they're getting made fun of because they'll have the camera zoomed in so close mm. to the game so you can't see the empty oh, stadium. Oh, yeah. And, like, yeah, I guess, yeah. like, if you were to go to a game, they make everybody sit kind of all in one small section at the game so that way it doesn't look all 90% empty. But, mm. I mean, it's football, so some people will watch. <laughs> Football's if, football. That's true. You got to have leagues like that, you have to have deep pockets because you're not making money. So it's essentially you just got to keep grinding it out for yeah, years. Yeah, that's, that's true. Why they keep yep. failing and coming back. All right. I just looked at some uh, some comments about that story, the former NFL player Chris Smith dying at 31. Mm-hmm. I always look at the comments now because people just go off the deep end every chance they get. Yep. This is from Hwapakechi. Three uh, seems to be an epidemic of died suddenly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Hoplophile. What's a hoplophile? I don't know, but I love that you read all of <laughs> these like random, just made-up screen names. Well, it is oh, hoplophile. I don't know, hoplophile, uh, uh, whatever. Well, hoplite is an old ancient Greek soldier. Oh, maybe it's related to that somehow. Oh, it definitely is. It is someone who loves weaponry. Hoplon means armament in Greek. Oh, hoplophile. There's a picture of a machine gun next to his post. Well, there you go. It's not his picture. It's a picture of an assault rifle. COVID, vac- COVID vaccines, oh, get another one. <laughs> Tevin's really enjoying these comments. IU Hoosier, 1992. Most athletes weren't getting COVID vaccines. Also, no one knows if this person was vaccinated or not. So speculate away. I think everyone in the NFL had the vaccine, basically. I thought they had to. Yeah, like so, the NBA and the NFL was like, you have to get vaccinated mm-hmm. in order to play. I think much. that's right. Yeah, I think you're right. What about, about the that. XFL? Mm. Oh, they're all former, probably NFL players. Well, anyway, I'm sure. So. Yeah, they're all basically NFL players. I'm sure. Sunny Lady says, yet another someone died. No detailed story anyway. One can only speculate why a 31-year-old died. Was it drugs, suicide, sudden medical episode? In any case, it's very sad when someone so young dies. Now his little daughter is an orphan. Oh, he's got a daughter? Uh, Jesus. Statistically, at that age, it's mostly accidents, I believe. Says El Guapo, maybe they don't have a cause yet. Could even be too many blows to the head. That could be. I suppose. Yeah, and especially a defensive end, like, or any lineman, yeah, you're getting a lot more contact. And Yeah, yep. And then Sunny Lady, to close it out, says, yes, I know they don't have a cause yet. Too many blows to the head certainly is a possibility. So there you go. Mm-hmm. I don't know, what a, what a sad story. 31 years old, he died. It doesn't even say if he died in his sleep or whatever. It just said he died. Mm-hmm. So there's something going on with that, don't you think? Yeah, there's either, and especially whenever the NFL is involved, ever, after yeah. they've been like, sued <laughs> yeah. for concussions and yeah. all that, they try to kind of calm everything down. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Uh, I don't know, this, this whole situation, like I said, I, I was so inspired by our guest. It, what, what a nice man. He risked his own life, what, 10 times to get those people out of there? Yeah. Isn't it just a wonderful story? And especially after he got like half of them out, and then he just like he was supposed to be on like, yeah. that flight out, yep. and then was like, ah, I better go back and get the rest of everybody. What a wonderful story that is! And, uh, seriously, I am so glad we had him on. But Andy, you don't even know who booked him, huh? Nope. Yeah, it's probably Art Sears, I would guess. Does a whole deal. Oh my God, four dead, three hurt in Maine shootings. Now they're opening fire in Maine. I feel like every time my phone dings from a news alert, it's 
shootings here, murders here, or like missing kids has been going. Oh, really? Like off in Minneapolis, really? especially. Yeah, there's been a ton of like missing teenage girls. So yeah, it's it's always just bad news every time my phone dings. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand any of this. Are we ever going to settle down from this? God. No. Well, no. it just seems like there's no like real consequences for stuff anymore. No, you're right. And you're, so then uh, people have now just been so used to like I can get away with whatever I want. Do you think, Tevin, as a black man in America today, that the news media is literally trying to keep us apart, black and white people? Because yeah. it sure sounds like it to me. Yeah, or like, and just people in general, like you want to keep everybody separated in yeah. groups. So that way you can make money off of both sides. Like you gotta, you create the problem, and then now you can make money off the problem and the solution. And as long as people are tuning into news to see how upset yeah. everybody is, and yeah, you're getting advertising dollars. This is all, all about money and just you know keeping. There's no, if everybody was agreed. Then like nobody would really watch TV. There'd be no outrage. You know what I mean? I like, guess. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You gotta keep everybody divided. But how is that not racist to do that? I don't think they care. No. But they're calling everybody else racist. They don't care. But they're the ones who are racist. Yeah. Yep, they don't care. Oh, just Jesus. Because so, it's all about money. And yeah. And people love to just get out. Like that's like the uh, Bud Light put. Uh, like a rainbow on their case or something like that for uh, like LGBTQ like Pride Month. They did mm-hmm. like a whatever a rainbow beer, and essentially every Bud Light drinker in the South like head exploded and was like, "What's well, because never... they put the they put the trans guy or trans woman on there?" Yeah, that's yeah, that's what it is. Who and, cares? Right, like it, people just losing their minds. I think like Bud Light lost it was some outrageous amount of money that their Six stock billion. dropped. Yeah. Six billion dollars they lost. Why would I care that a trans woman drinks Bud Light? I'm more surprised. I'm more surprised that the LGBT community drinks Bud Light than anything else. Like that's not the Bud Light demographic. So like, why? I don't understand what the big deal is. I think they paid him a million and a half to do it, or her. Yeah, paid him a lot. Paid her a lot of money to do it, but the out. When are people ever going to understand? Let's say you are outraged because a trans person is making a million and a half dollars for promoting Bud Light. I'm never. Don't you realize that if you sat back and watched what happened, if there was a problem, it'd go away anyway. Right. Why are you having such a fit over nothing? Right. Like it doesn't, it literally has no effect on your ability to drink Bud Light, go to the store, purchase no. Bud Light. It doesn't now just because. They're paying a trans person, doesn't make you trans, it does nothing to do with you. I know. Just let this person get paid. You can go drink your terrible beer and sit in silence. And I got a little tip off for you. Most places it's 21. Is every place in America 21 to drink alcohol? Yes. No. What's oh, not? Certain states will let you drink alcohol at home, oh, but okay. it is 21 to purchase alcohol okay. everywhere. Oh, okay. And then I know, Wisconsin, like, I think you can drink alcohol as young as like 16 yeah. at home or something Wisconsin, like that. Wisconsin, you can go out to the bar with your parents. <laughs> yeah. As long as you, your as long as you don't buy it. Okay. As yep, long as let you yeah. drink it. You, yeah. So why didn't they, did they actually think like, oh, it's going to influence my nine-year-old to drink Bud Light instead of what he drinks now? I mean, what? what? No, I think it was more so just the fact that they didn't appreciate the fact that it was a trans person being paid. Why do they care? They're not going to pay you anyway. You, right. you weren't getting the money. No. I'm here to tell you. I, look, I, yes, I don't think our school system should be as deep into the stuff as they are. It's like, leave the kids alone. Would you just calm down? 
I mean, they've passed laws in some states where a teacher can take a child away from their parents. Yep, Wisconsin, or not That's, Wisconsin, uh, Washington. In Washington, yeah. That is insane. Yep, yeah. That you could make off with my kid because I won't agree with you what I should do with my kid. Yep. That's crazy. Uh, so you got one nut on one side going nuts because somebody's drinking Bud Light, and you got some nut on the other side thinking they take your child away from you because they think they should go one way or another. This is what is with this insanity? It, it, I I don't know. It's it started a long time ago, but it's yes. Yeah, the everybody just needs to be outraged about something, regardless of if it really is something worth being outraged about. Like it's couldn't agree more. Like even working at the house of comedy back in the day, like we'd get, you know, black comedians on stage that would make like a black joke. And then a white woman would come out and be like, I'm offended for my black friend. That's not here. Cause that's super offensive to black people. And I'm like, (laughs) cause she knows. She knows what's offensive to black. Please tell me what else should I be offended at? Ms. White woman. (laughs) (laughs) Ms. White woman. That's a good name. You should write a book called Ms. White. Right. Yeah. Dear Ms. White woman. Dear Ms. White woman. I I don't you love that. It's a joke. First of Mm -hmm. all. Right. Settle down. It's a joke. We're going to be fine. Do they think that somehow they it makes them look better when they do things like that? Yeah. I, yeah, I think yeah. so. It's got to be like some sort of like savior-type complex where mm-hmm. I'm so woke that I'm looking out for the you world. when you don't even know you're being made fun of. Yep. I, I just, I got to be honest with you folks. If you take this position, everybody thinks you're a dumbass. I'm sorry, but you, they do. They think you're an idiot. But that, that, oh, I look so, I look so caring. No, mm. you don't. You look like a moron. And it gets more and more extreme. Like, I remember um, somebody saying that they don't, it was a, like a white lady was saying that she doesn't wear hoop earrings anymore because she doesn't want to, like, appropriate black culture. Hoop earrings! <laughs> more Hispanic <laughs> culture than anything, isn't it? And, yes, it is. And she was saying it to, like, oh, a, a group of black guys, and they were like, I, 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 they're like, what? Like, no, 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 no. Like, we don't want to claim uh. hoop earrings as well. Like, we don't, that's just, wear your hoop earrings and it's fine. Like, that's the least of our You know, if it wasn't for you, Tevin, I'd be wearing hoop earrings right now. Right. Yeah, or, like, you'll hear people that, like, oh, anytime you see, like, a white person with, like, dreadlocks or something like that, and it's that like, that's offensive. Stupid. It doesn't look great, but it's also not offended Well, it's not it. offended, no. it's just stupid. Right, you just look not great. Well, what was her name, Rachel Dozal? Oh, yep. that, yeah, that Wasn't lady. She, she, I, she was the. She's she, been out of the news cycle for a while. Because yeah. she yeah. was what she said. She identified essentially identified as black yeah. or something like yeah. that. And yeah, she you knows she's a honky. We put her in her own little separate box. <laughs> <laughs> she's she got her own special area. kind of weird. I, well, yeah. I, Jesus, I'm I'm a, I'm black. No, you're not even close to. She's whiter than I was. I'll tell you that. <laughs> right. Yeah. We'll accept Tom into the black community before. Yeah. There you go. There you have it. You grew up in the North Side. Um, oh, and then. Have you heard? Do you remember the Fire Festival? Yeah, Fyre. Yep. yep. Fire yeah. Festival. So was, yep, that didn't guy, go well. that guy is now doing another one. That's what I've heard. Yeah. yeah. Who was How's that? that I can't remember what his name was. Ja Rule was his like business partner, right? But he Ja Rule, I don't think is involved in this one. But yeah, the guy like announced that he's doing another. Billy one. McFarland. There we go. Why is he that first one? Didn't it bankrupt him? Well, yeah. Well, it was a huge like fraudulent event. People showed right. up and he there went was, to prison for it. Yeah. Oh, he actually went to prison for six it? Six years. I, yep. I didn't know. And so now yeah. he's going to do it again. Yeah. How stupid are you, sir? Right. And how stupid do you have to be to try and buy tickets to Well, that that's festival? the thing. It's, yeah. If he makes another however many million dollars, is it him that's stupid? 
I don't know. It's just all of the people are so cracked now. It's amazing. Yeah. And who's going to go play the fire festival? If yeah, he went what to prison, musician would go to? Oh, no. I mean, you'll get some, you'll get people to do it just because if you, the money's there oh, and God. it's pub- publicity, but yeah. Whatever. Fire festival, too, he's calling it. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, like the name isn't sullied some. enough. Seriously. So was there, there ever, there was no one. Well, there was a one, there, but there was. I don't think, did anybody perform? I don't think I so. Don't, I think it was basically just like a bunch of tents in the desert. Yeah, because everybody, yes. yeah, everybody just showed up or to this an island. island or whatever. And, yeah, it was an island. And ate like ham sandwiches when they were promised <laughs> yeah. to have like gourmet. Yeah, they were promised catering and it was basically yeah. just like a bunch oh of like God. school lunches that they packed. Yep. Yeah, no one ever showed up. I don't think it was. It didn't go well. Cause yeah, I remember and like, cause it was supposed Love to be it. like you bought a ticket and everybody got these like first class flights down there and they all were like riding Spirit and it was yeah, it was all just a disaster. Unbelievable. Today in weird Twitter drama, Toronto Blue Jays relief pitcher Anthony Bass. You guys know him, right? No, no, don't know Anthony Bass. Nope. Got probably not the reaction he was expecting when he posted on social network about his wife's experience flying United Airlines with her two young kids. The flight attendant at United just made my 22-week pregnant wife, traveling with a five-year-old and a two-year-old, get on her hands and knees to pick up popcorn, a mess made by my youngest daughter, the two-year-old. Are you kidding me? He posted along with a picture of popcorn on the floor of an airplane. Uh, as Fox News reports, the replies were almost universally not on his side. Yeah. With many accusing him of an entitled attitude, Bass's wife is Sydney Ray Bass, sing, uh, sister of singer Jesse James Decker. And Decker also posted on social media about the uh, United incident. His sister Decker uh, posted in a now expired Instagram story is five months pregnant, high risk, and also traveling alone with her two small children. Blair accidentally spilled some popcorn on the aisle. And the flight attendant came up to Sydney with a uh, trash bag and a wet wipe, telling her the captain wants Sid to clean up every drop. Why would the captain even vote on that? <laughs> That's not true. He didn't even know there was popcorn on the flight. Hell yeah, no. Yeah, it doesn't sound <laughs> very real. That doesn't sound like it ever happened. I don't know. No. Uh, Although I am a fan of her picking up her own kid's mess. But she's, but she's pregnant, and so yeah. it's not like I'm not going to be outraged, but also like mm-hmm. try to, I guess, make sure your kids don't make a mess on the plane get your kids under control yeah. that's what you're saying yeah i don't think i'd force a pregnant woman to no. get on her hands and knees and clean up popcorn i no. don't think i would have done that i don't know oh listen to this now ladies and gentlemen that big election we got coming up next year poll shows rfk jr has surprisingly strong support what do you think about that uh robert fitzgerald kennedy so was uh, he like a great-grandson grandson he would be the son he was the son of of uh of uh not jfk but rf the rfk senior yeah yeah so he would be the grandson Grandson? i suppose the grandson era usa today poll puts him at 14 percent of his chances of the democratic race so the thing's surprisingly strong sports 14 percent it doesn't seem very good no doesn't that sound very strong to me at all but uh i don't know well, he, is he the last Kennedy? There aren't any Kennedys left anymore, are there? I'm sure there are some. It's just they're not like... In politics? Yeah, they're yeah. not legacies anymore. They're just, you know, someone named Kennedy. I suppose. Oh, speaking of flights, you were talking about flights. Mm-hmm. I bet you there was a problem on this long-haul flight, Austrian Airlines flight from Vienna to New York. That's how many hours? 
Vienna to New York, what probably was it, like nine, ten hours. I'd say more than that. Probably. I was just say like a twelve, maybe. Well, let's see. How long is the flight? Gonna take a second. Yeah, it's fine. Not a problem. People are relaxing while listening to this, so you know they're not going to be upset if you take a break. Ah. Uh, here we go. Expedia. It's a forty-two hundred miles. So. Forty-two hundred miles. So it's. Probably, I would say, around a seven-hour flight then. That's got to be my guess. No stops. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Vienna to JFK on Brussels Air, whatever the hell that is. Mm-hmm. It's Expedia, so it's going to take about a half an hour to... Okay, I'll read something. Just tell me when you're ready job. to go. Okay. Oh, here we go. Oh, uh, yeah. Minus the stop. There's a stop in Munich, so minus oh, that, it's about oh, 10 oh, hours. Oh, oh, oh. Minus that, so it's actually about 13, 14 hours. Yeah. At the stop, it's 12 and a half hours. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Well, this is not really not good news for these people then. Austrian Airlines flight from Vienna to New York had to turn back two hours in. So you're already two hours back, and now you got to come back two hours to the, the place you just left. And you know why they had to turn around? Five of the eight toilets broke on the long-haul flight. Oh. How? How does five toilets break? We're going to read the story because I don't know either, Andy, how the hell that could happen. I guess better two hours in than like halfway there. Yeah. Because now it's like, well, we just got to go with whatever situation. Yeah, because if you're halfway there, you may as well go keep going forward. Yep. If being stuck in a tiny box with 300 strangers at 35,000 feet isn't your cup of tea, being stuck with 300 strangers at 35,000 feet with only three functioning bathrooms is probably less so. As AFP reports, such was the case of an Austrian flight, Austrian Airlines flight from Vienna to New York, which had to turn back two hours into Monday night's flight when five of its eight bathrooms malfunctioned. Well, it's a first for Austrian Airlines. A Reptel's AFP insider notes that such uh, instances aren't without precedent. A 2018 Norwegian Air flight with 85 plumbers on board had to return to Oslo when its toilets broke and required exterior access to fix. There were 85 plumbers on board and they couldn't fix the toilet. The Austrian Airlines rep says its plane had uh, been fixed and returned to service. What would cause five out of eight toilets to fail all at once? I have no idea. I'm guessing they all share like a line that got yeah. clogged. Or Gotta something. be, yeah. And also, like on that flight, I'd be like, can we just vote on this as a group? Like, who really has to go to the bathroom? Like, can we can we <laughs> yeah, make exactly. it there with three? three like, let's just I mean, yeah, let's just keep it pushing. Let's not add another back. two hours to our trip. And then yeah, because it's not even just adding another two hours. Because I'm sure once you get back to the airport, now they're gonna have to fix it. You're we're gonna have to find another flight. Yep. You're probably not taking off right away anyway. Like, Indeed. Yeah, let's just keep going. Yeah, no. I'll just swim, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You swim all the way home. All right, that's going to do it. Hell of a show. Tevin, great to see you again. Thanks for coming in. I'm glad you're finally back in town. Finally back for eight straight months I'll be here before we leave on vacation in, I guess, in December or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. In any case, Andy, we'll talk to you later. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) 